Today could be a remarkable day. Not because something remarkable will happen to you, but because something truly remarkable could happen in you. You, today, can walk with God. You and I will be invited today to do a little experiment in walking with God. This is the Advent season leading up to Christmas, and we're learning together about life with God, the Emmanuel principle, which is at the core, not just of the Bible, but really of life, that we are invented, <laughs> invented, we were created to do life together with God. And there's a very intriguing character. Not much said about him in the Bible. You might have heard about him if you're a Bible person. In Genesis chapter 5, it's talking about somebody named Enoch. And, and the text just simply says, And Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him. Somehow his death seems to have been a mysterious thing, or he seems to have bypassed it to simply be with God. He walked faithfully with God. We don't know a lot about him. There's a few intriguing hints. The book of Jude in the New Testament says he was the seventh man after Adam. And there's a kind of a contrast here. Adam had a son named Cain that was a murderer. And in Cain's line, if you follow his descendants, the seventh man is Lamech. Lamech was a nightmare. He was the first polygamist. And he was a murderer. And he intensifies Cain's evil. If Cain was avenged seven times, Lamech will be avenged 70 times, he says. So he's a picture of humanity gone wrong. Enoch is the seventh man after Adam on, in the line of the son Seth. And so he's kind of the contrasting picture of what humanity might be. He walked faithfully with God. Now, walking is very often used in the Bible and in other ancient literature, as well as in our day, is simply a picture of your conduct of life, your way of life. We will say to people, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk, actually live it. And it's used with some different prepositions. Sometimes in the text, Psalm 56 talks about walking before God. You shall walk before God in his light. That's a picture of how a soldier might march before his commanding officer in an upright way to be inspected, to be accountable, to be observed. And we're supposed to do that. Or Exodus 13, I think, talks about how to walk after God, walk after the Lord your God, keeping his laws and commandments. And the picture there would be sheep that walk after their shepherd, followers who walk after their leaders. The picture there is submission, and we're to live that way. But, 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 then there's this one. Walk with God. Enoch walked with God. Now that's what a friend does with a friend. And Jesus said to his followers, now I no longer simply call you my servants, I call you my friends. He invites us into a life of friendship with him from one moment. To, what, what does that look like? How do you seriously try to do that? What does walking with God mean for you from one moment to the next? Um, one of the people that we're learning from in this Advent season is Frank Laubach, a remarkable follower of Jesus. He was a brilliant thinker and a missionary in the Philippines who grew very discontented with his own spiritual life. And so he stumbled on this thought, this possibility of trying to walk with God, live with God, have God present before his mind 
on a very regular basis. Just as simple as that, really. Here's what he writes. And I'm going to read this at some length and then invite you to think about what does this look like in your life today? You and you and you and I do experience fine, fresh contact with God sometimes and do carry out his will sometimes. And you and I know that to be true. One question now to be put to the test is this. Can we have this contact with God all the time? Don't say no yet. Can we all the time awake, fall asleep in his arms, awaken in his presence? Can we attain that? Can we think his thoughts all the time? Or are there periods when business, pleasures, crowding companions must necessarily push God out of our thoughts? Of course, that's self-evident. If somebody thinks about God all the time, they'll never get anything done. I thought so too until now, but I am changing my view. Just invite you to consider this in your own experience. This is what Frank Lubbock said. We can keep two things in mind at once. Indeed, we cannot keep one thing in mind more than half a second. Mind is a flowing something. It oscillates. Concentration is merely the continuous return to the same problem from a million angles. We do not think of one thing. We always think of the relationship of at least two things and more often of three or more things simultaneously. So really the challenge is this. Can I bring God back into my mind flow every few seconds so that God shall always be in my mind as an after image, shall always be one of the elements in every concept and precept? I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment in answering this question. Someone may be saying, maybe it's you, that this introspection and this struggle to achieve God consciousness is abnormal and perilous. I am going to take the risk. For somebody ought to do it in this day when psychological experimentation has given a fresh approach to our spiritual problems. If what the scripture writers say is true, then this oneness with God is the most normal condition that we can have. So that what goes on in most of our lives isn't normal, it's just usual. I do not invite anybody else to follow this arduous path. I wish many might. We need to know so much what one person alone cannot answer. For instance, can a laboring person successfully attain this continuing surrender to God? Can someone working at a machine pray for people all day long, talk with God all day long, and at the same time do their task efficiently? Can a merchant do business? Can an accountant keep books in our day, be it the computer, keyboard, ceaselessly surrendered to God? Can a parent wash dishes, care for the babies, continuously talking to God? Can a politician keep in a state of continuous contact with God and not lose the following of the crowds? And for God's sake, some politician needs to run that experiment. Can little children be taught to talk and listen to God inwardly all day long? And what is the effect upon them? Briefly, briefly, is this a thing to which the entire human race might conceivably aspire to achieve? If you are like myself, this has been a pretty strong diet of words. It may even prove discouraging. So, I will put it simpler and more attainable. Any hour of any day, 
made me perfect by merely choosing. Now think about those words. He goes on, it is perfect if one looks towards God that entire hour, looking for his leadership all through the hour, trying hard, this is not apart from trying, it it includes it, trying hard to do every tiny thing exactly as God wishes it done, as perfectly as possible. No emotions are necessary. You don't even have to have faith. Just the doing of God's will makes this a perfect moment. And the results of that one perfect moment, I believe, will echo down through eternity. Make this day, if that's too much, make this hour. If that's too much, make this moment an experiment. Oh God, oh God, oh God, will you be with me? Will you let me be with you? Will you be in my mind and help me to bring it back to you? You never walk alone, ever. Thanks for joining us. To receive a text alert when new episodes are released, you can text the word BECOME to the number 855-888-0444. You can also send prayer requests there, and we would love to pray for you. To receive the emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me slash subscribe. Special thanks to Matthew Custer for the art and design for this series. See you next time.